Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, we're singing, um, He's our healer, and um, it is neither uh, fanatical or extreme uh, to believe that He's our healer uh, every time without exception. Amen. Some people think, well, that's, that's radical, you know, that's fanatical. It's neither one of those, it's normal. In fact, I was thinking, you know, we, we call him our physician. And of course, um, in the old covenant in Exodus 15, 26, where it says in the King James that I am the Lord thy healer that healeth thee. That word uh, healeth thee is the uh, Hebrew word rapha. Yeah, and some translations translate it as uh, healer. Some translate it as physician, surgeon. Can you imagine going to a doctor, even in the natural, and say, hey, doctor, I've got this thing going on, going with me, going on with me, and um, I need some help to recover from whatever the, this thing is. And the doctor examines you and goes, I know exactly what's wrong with you. And they've got this medication. If you'll take this medication, you'll be 100% better. And, uh, well, we, we, can you write me that uh, prescription for that? No, I don't want to. But if you don't give that, I can't, I can't recover. From, yeah, I know. But I just don't want to give you a prescription. Uh, you know, you go to another doctor, you need some surgery. He goes, yeah, if we do this right here, we do the surgery, yeah, yeah, you'll be perfectly fine in a matter of weeks after we get done the surgery. And um, yeah, that's great. When I can schedule, oh, I'm not going to do it for you. Well, why not? Well, I just don't want to. Well, I mean, who would go to a doctor like that? You go to a doctor, best doctor in the whole world. He knows exactly what's wrong with you. Uh, and he... He just doesn't want to help you. Well, why not? Are you busy? No, I've got plenty of time. Uh, is, it, is it the cost? I've got insurance. No, it's not the cost. I'd do it for free if I, if I felt like it. Well, why don't you want it? I just don't want to. Uh, you know, any doctor like that going to stay in business? No. no. Uh, and yet, uh, we go to the great physician all the time, but Jesus, you probably don't want to heal me, do you? Uh, of course, I know around here we believe that, but uh, can you imagine going to a natural doctor who has taken the Hippocratic Oath that says, I will first do no harm uh, and... Uh, do my very best to, to uh, provide assistance to every human being, regardless of cost, regardless of, of whether they have the means to pay for it or not. That's their oath. Uh, and, and you go to a doc, you know, they would get, they would get dis, well, not disbarred, but uh, whatever it is equivalent in the medical world, right? They would have their medical license pulled from them if they just, no, nah, I just don't want to do it. Well, why are you a doctor? I don't know. I just, you know. Maybe I should be, a, you know, working at a post office instead because I don't, I don't like helping people in the area of sick. Well, why, why are you a doctor? We, anybody go to a doctor like that who knows the answer but just won't help you? Well, nobody goes to a doctor like that, you know. Uh, you go to a dentist and you go, well, you need a filling. Okay, when, when, can, I, when can I schedule? Well, I don't do filling. I don't, you know, I, I don't actually do anything. I just tell you that there's a problem. Uh, and I think there's a commercial like that, right? They're... they're they're, they're not a dentist, they're a monitor. I just monitor, you know, I just find out what's wrong with you and tell you that there's a problem and somebody should do something, amen? Uh, well, we would never put up with that in the natural world, and yet uh, people every day put up with that with the Lord. In, in their doctrine, they say that the Lord doesn't heal. He may choose not to heal, he may not want to heal, and yet that's the furthest from the truth. You know, that, that's really, uh, you know, a lot of times you can see what somebody does and what somebody doesn't do, and you can look at that and make that observation, uh, and it doesn't take rocket science. Well, okay, they don't, they're not doing that. But then we cross the line oftentimes into the area of judgment. Well, the reason why they're not doing that is because, you know, they're a terrible person or they're lazy or whatever. 
well, you know, you were fine just observing the lack of doing something, but then you started getting into judgment as if you know their character. Uh, and people do that all the time with the Lord. They observe that a healing is not occurring. And so, uh, which, you know, anybody can observe that a healing is not taking place. But then we cross the line and we judge the Lord. We say, well, Lord, you don't, you don't want to heal me. And, and that can't be further from the truth. How many times have you been accused of something falsely that you didn't do something or you did do something? And somebody said, well, the reason why this happened is because of this. And you think, well, that's not even close to the reality of it. You know, it, it was for this reason over here. It had nothing to do with what you're thinking of. And yet uh, people will judge you and they'll judge the Lord uh, in his motivation for, for something occurring as if it's his choice. And oftentimes, you know, he's already said, well, if you'll ask me or you'll, you'll uh, stand in faith, you will receive healing and we don't ask or we don't stand in faith, and, and, and then what's he supposed to do? He's given us the instructions about how to obtain these things, and we don't want to do it that way. We want to do it just in his sovereign will, just in his sovereignty without us applying any faith. Yeah. And then he's kind of stuck sometimes in not being able to help us. And there's, you know, we, as you know, here in the class, we have talked many times about the different reasons why people may not be healed. But in, in, in fact, I think in... Um, F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth's book, he has a chapter on why Christians don't receive healing, and I think he has 26 reasons why they don't receive healing. And you go through all those reasons, and, and these were reasons that he's observed in the many years that he was a healing evangelist traveling all over the world. Here are the, uh, several reasons why he found that people didn't receive healing. Not one of them had anything to do on the Lord's side and his desire. It was all, you know, you're in sin, or you're not praying, or you're not believing, or you're in conflict or you're in unforgiveness or, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of reasons or we just don't ask, you know, or we don't, we don't apply faith. Uh, and, and so um, people say, uh, you know, oftentimes they're, they're kind of unkind. They say, well, the reason they didn't get healing is because they didn't have enough faith. Well, see, that's again, judging somebody else. Well, you don't know that. Maybe they have plenty of faith, but maybe uh, there, there's some other things going on. I don't know, unless the Lord reveals to me, I just leave it alone. Well, why didn't it get healed? I don't know. If it's me, I do like Dr. Yeoman said, that if she's praying and not getting results, she starts doing changing. She starts changing because she knows the Lord can't change. He won't change. So if, if I'm not getting the, the answers, whether for healing or for something else that I'm expecting, then uh, really what I do is, is I don't really start changing immediately. I go to the Lord and find out where I'm missing it so that I can find out the, the map to what to change, right? Because I may change this thing over here. Well, that ain't got nothing to do with it. I may change this thing over there. Well, that's not got anything to do with it. Uh, it may have something to do with something somewhere else. But I, I always go to the Lord because he's my helper. Is he not my helper? Yes. Well, one of the things he can help us with is to find out, give us the answers to things we don't know. Isn't that a big help? Uh, uh, you know, you're taking a test. Wouldn't it be nice to have a helper when you're taking a test? Right. Hey, teacher, what's the answer to this one over here? Uh, and, and it's like this one kid said, uh, you know, uh, hey, Dad, I bet you don't know what uh, 47 divided by 14 is. And, and uh, what is 47 divided by 14? Like three, three and a little bit, right? No, it's less than, it's not, it's not three, right? It's two, uh, 40, what did I say, 47 divided by 14? Yeah, okay, so that's three, three remainder five, right? And Dad goes, it's three remainder five. And he goes, thanks. He kept on with his homework, you know. Uh, and so he was just messing with his dad. Dad, I bet you don't know what 47 divided by 3 is. Oh, yeah, well, I know what it is. See, without actually knowing, the dad helped him do his homework. Uh, and so the Lord's our helper, amen? 
And sometimes we have homework that we need help in about how to, uh, how to receive healing. And I know just in my own personal life, sometimes lack of healing has occurred because of sin. And I've told you some of those stories. Sometimes it had nothing to do with sin and nothing to do with faith, but I was misapplying faith. Uh, he said, speak to the mountain. Well, if he said, speak to the mountain, but I'm over here speaking to the molehill, well, the, if the problem is the mountain, but I'm speaking to the molehill, then, then it's not faith. It's not sin. It's just I'm not, I'm not doing what I should be doing to obtain the healing. I'm not focusing in the right direction. Or, you know, if you're trying to cast out a devil for, for some sickness where there's no devil involved, you know, there's no lack of faith, no sin, but you're not doing what, nece- what is necessary to obtain the healing. Amen. And it's not like God is going, well, that's close enough. I mean, you know, sometimes he does give us mercy. But, uh, you know, if, if uh, we have the great advantage as Christians to, of having the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, and that gives us insight into situations that we would not have insight in any other way. And I know many times the Lord has said, uh, showed me, either about myself or my family, this is the root cause. And sometimes it's a medical situation. Uh, and I, I know one of the kids, they, they had some problems, and the Lord spoke to me and said, it's, it's due to low blood sugar. And they've been dealing with this problem for years. And, and uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, without needing, you know, if it's serious, you might need medication. But oftentimes, low, now I'm not a doctor, you know, don't take this as a prescription, but oftentimes low blood sugar can be resolved by just uh, eating on a regular basis, right? And so eating smaller meals uh, more often th- th- during the day. And again, I'm not a doctor. That's just uh, uh, one thing that I've heard doctors say in that case because you know, without eating, then you, your blood sugar re- gets reduced in your bloodstream, and then you feel weak and anemic, and you feel uh, lightheaded, uh, and that happened a lot. And, and so just changing a natural thing, now all, all they did was change their eating habits, and it basically resolved the whole issue. Uh, well, that's natural, but it was supernatural because it was revelation from the Lord. Amen? Uh, and so, so she was talking last week about uh, about the woman uh, from Luke 13, about uh, how being a daughter of Abraham, she ought to be healed. Uh, and uh, and I, I like what the, uh, when Dr. Yeomans was working with a woman that had come to her for help, that having told her that story, that the woman responded by saying that she owed it to the Lord to be well. And, you know, that, that's really a, a good mentality to have. You know, I, I owe it to the Lord to be, to be well. Amen. Uh, because he's paid a great price. So, uh, for me to, to obtain healing and to remain healed. And I owe it to him to uh, be aware of what he's done for me and to take advantage of what he's done for me on my behalf and, and to not think light of that. See, I owe, I owe him that. He's done that for me. I owe it to him to respond in like manner and accept what he's done for me. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of times people, I see it as being disrespectful when we say, well, I'll just remain sick. That's disrespecting what the Lord has done on my behalf. That's, that's being disrespectful of by his stripes you were healed uh, in the great pain and agony that he suffered. And for me to dismiss it as being unimportant, well, you know, it doesn't matter if you're sick. He paid a great price. You ever done something for somebody and you spent a great amount of money to help them? And they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's no big deal. Yeah, I don't even care about it. You know, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, right? Oh, I'll never help them again. Well, we shouldn't necessarily do that. You know, we shouldn't be helping people with the desire that they respond in, in the way that we expect them to. Uh, but, you know, maybe next time uh, we'll pause or hesitate helping them, right? Uh, but oftentimes people will do the same thing uh, in the, the fact that the Lord has paid a great price 
and we will, we will dishonor the price that he paid by thinking light of it or not accepting it and, and living in it. Amen? The Lord paid, us, paid a great price that, you know, by his stripes you were healed and that everything that we lay our hands to shall prosper and, and uh, we can have the mind of Christ, we can have a sound mind. He's paid a great price for us to live as kings. In fact, he said that we can live as kings and reign in this life by the grace of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and uh, if we're supposed to reign as kings, then uh, we should honor that which the Lord has done. Amen. And yet many times we, we live, we don't reign as kings, we live as paupers in every area of our life, in our mental realm, in our physical realm, in our spiritual realm. And yet the Lord has paid a great price. You know, the, the greatest honor that we can give to the Lord is to live by faith and receive all the blessings that He's given to us. That brings Him honor. It brings Him glory. Amen. Uh, and for us to, to say that it's unimportant is the same thing as saying giving God glory is not important. Amen. Uh, and so uh, she shifts gears just a little bit here. Let's turn over to the book of Ephesians. Uh, she's, she's saying here that the Word of God should be learned as it, it's our shield of faith. Amen. Uh, and if you, if you um, follow your average Christian and ask them, you know, what, what do you know about the Lord as far as the Word of God? Because all that we know of the Lord comes from His Word. Amen. Uh, everything we know is founded from, from the Word of God. And it, of course, it's to our advantage then to, to know what the Word of God. But she mentions this particular verse here uh, in uh, Ephesians 6. Uh, 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench how many? All the fiery darts of the wicked. And of course, in that case, then we have to acknowledge that the fiery darts coming into our life, the origin of those darts is the wicked one. Amen. Uh, many people in a church will tell you that sickness comes from the Lord. The Lord either wants us to be sick or desires us to be sick or doesn't want us to be well or for whatever reason, they're thinking that it's the Lord's, uh, that he's motivated us to be sick. Uh, and yet it says here that, that we're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so if you're not acknowledging that sickness is uh, a dart thrown at us from the wicked one, and instead you say that the fiery dart's origin is from God, then how can you use your shield of faith against the Lord? Of course, that's, the whole, that's, that's their whole mindset. Well, I can't use my shield of faith against the Lord, so therefore I must accept my sickness as part of my life. And yet, uh, everything in the Word of God points to the fact that all sickness and disease originates from the enemy. Amen? Remember uh, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were what? oppressed of who? Oppressed of the devil. Healing all. So all the healings that Jesus did, all, even if they weren't directly uh, uh, initiated by an oppression of a demonic force, they all originated as an oppression of the devil. He started that sickness and disease. He brought sickness and disease into the world when Adam opened up the door for him to come into the earth. Uh, and so the, the nice thing about this is, above all, taking the shield of faith where we shall be able to quench all. So he's elevating that the shield of faith is all. It's above all, right? So it's, it's uh, the most important uh, uh, aspect of our armor. He says above all, above all these other things. And of course, later on, he, he talks about the sword of the spirit. And those two things are clearly related. 
but above all the other things he's mentioned to this point, helm of salvation, uh, loins girt about with truth, feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He said, above all these things is the shield of faith. So, uh, of course, the salvation comes from faith, right? The, the feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace comes from faith. Uh, the uh, loins girt about with truth comes from faith. So that's why faith is above all those things, because everything else springs from faith. And, uh, and so he's elevating the value of faith above these things, and he calls it a shield of faith. Uh, so it's, uh, in this case, it's a defensive weapon. Of course, in the next verse, he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So uh, the shield of faith, the root of the shield of faith comes from the Word of God. And of course, the sword of the Spirit is literally the Word of God. So those two things are based, upon, based entirely upon the Word of God. And if we uh, wield the shield of faith, we are able to quench or to put out all the fiery darts of the wicked. Uh, amen? So we're not just avoiding them, right? We're not just ducking and letting the guy behind us uh, take this, this fiery dart. We quench them. So we're the ones uh, on, uh, 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 on the, the offensive side and not on the defensive side here. And so if we're quenching these fiery darts, then that means that somebody else is not going to be taking this particular hit. So your faith can have the value of assisting other people in their lives. And so, but he says that we are able to quench how many? All. All. Do you believe that? Do you believe that no matter what comes your way, you have the capacity to quench that particular fiery dart? And, and it doesn't list what those fiery darts uh, does. It. it doesn't say, well, it's only for, you know, depression or only for, you know, uh, 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 anguish or sadness or uh, some, some spiritual issue. Does it limit it only to the spirit realm? It doesn't limit it to the spirit realm. It, it, there's no limit to it at all. So any fiery dart of the enemy, whether it comes against your mind, against your body, against your spirit, doesn't matter the source, doesn't matter the destination, you have the capacity to cause it to be quenched, to be snuffed out, to be of no value and have no power in your life. Uh, and that's pretty good, amen? Uh, and so if it's the shield of faith, then uh, we know, you know, by law in the charismatic world, we know uh, Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God, the word of God amen? So the root of faith is knowing the Word of God, amen? Uh, and, uh, and that's really the issue and why the, the level of faith in the church as a whole is so low is because uh, the church as a whole doesn't appreciate the Word of God, doesn't meditate on the Word of God, doesn't read the Word of God. You know, if you ask your average Christian, uh, how many books of the Bible have you read? The complete book, cover to cover, right? From beginning verse to the last verse of the book, even like Jude, you know, how many chapters are there in the book of Jude? There's one, right? How many chapters are there in the book of Philemon? There's one, right? What's the, uh, what about Second John or Third John? There's one. What's the last book that's got one chapter? Anybody know? I mentioned third John. I said second or third John. Well, there's one more. Jude. I already mentioned Jude. Oh, the no. last, I thought you meant the last chapter in the Bible. No, no, no. How many other books have one chapter in it? I'll give you hints. The Old Testament. I'll give you another hint. It's one of the twelve minor prophets. What's the first letter? <laughs> I'll give you another hint. It starts with Obadiah. <laughs> So it doesn't matter. But, you know, you could read six or seven books of the Bible in one sitting because they only got one chapter in them, right? Uh, and so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, and, and notice, you know, it's, it's hearing. It's not, and so it's not just, 
It's not the mental reading of the word. It's hearing what those words say. Amen. And, and it doesn't mean you've got to read it out loud. It doesn't hurt to read it out loud. It doesn't mean you have to hear it spoken, which is fine to speak it. But you have to hear what these words say. Remember how oftentimes Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he wasn't talking about just natural hearing, the natural ability to hear, but you've got to hear. When you're reading these words, you, what, what are these words speaking? What are these words saying? Uh, if he says, I am the Lord that healeth thee, what is he saying to you? He's saying to you that you have a healer. You have a supernatural, all-powerful healer. That's what he's saying. Are you hearing it, though? When you, even when you read those words, are you hearing that? That's when faith is developed. It's not just, in, well, I've read the book, you know, mark it on my list. Uh, I'm going through the, and of course, we have a Bible reading schedule. I always encourage people to read at least through the whole New Testament each year. Uh, and that's a, that's a good, uh, that's a good, um, uh, that's a good goal to, to have. It's really not a lot of reading. It's, it's uh, basically five, what's it, uh, five chapters a week. Uh, and so uh, it's not a lot of reading. Amen. 260 chapters in the whole New Testament. You can read five chapters a week. And I know sometimes it's a little tough in the, uh, uh, in the Gospels, especially the book of Luke. Luke didn't know anything about, um, of course, what, he didn't write it in books and chapters, right? It was the uh, uh, people who translated the Bible put it in books and chapters, but um, Luke uh, was a little bit wordy in his uh, writings, amen? It's actually the longest of the four Gospels as far as the number of verses that are contained in it. Uh, but we're just being facetious in that. It's good to read the Word of God, amen? Uh, and um, she also mentioned Psalm. Let's go back to Psalm. This is a a good psalm to know here. Um, you know, you can tell, uh, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 12? That out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks, amen? And if you're filling your heart with the word of God, uh, then what's going to come out when you speak? The word of God, amen? Uh, and so he says here in Psalm 1, let's just start in verse 1, it says blessed, that's a good way to start the whole book of Psalms, the word blessed. Blessed is the man. Well, if you're blessed, what does that mean? It means you're happy, you're fortunate, you're prosperous, you're to be envied. I think the Amplified uh, Bible brings that out. Jerry, can you pull up Psalm 1-1 in the Amplified uh, Bible there? Uh, blessed is the man uh, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, and it says blessed. Uh, so if you're blessed, you're happy, you're fortunate, you're prosperous, and you're enviable. I like that, enviable. I want to be like that guy. Well, that's, that's what you want, amen? Much of the church is like, is like get saved, and you've got to be broken, poor, and sick, and, and, and um, unhappy, and sad, so be like me. Well, nobody's envying you if that's who you are, amen? But if you're healthy, and prosperous, and, and uh, full of joy, then you're enviable, amen? People look at you like, I want to be like that guy, amen? Uh, and so you're blessed as a man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purposes. And, um, you know, in that, in that particular verse, I always encourage people, don't ever look to the world as your example. Right. Amen? Don't ever look to the world, oh, you know, he's rich, I want to be like him. And if he's an ungodly person, you don't want to be like him. Amen? You know, even some Christians that I know that, were, that are wealthy, well, how did you obtain your wealth? Well, I forsook my family. I stayed away from my family for weeks and months at a time to earn money. And uh, my wife raised the kids. Uh, and I had no, nothing to do with them in their raising, and, and I made a lot of money. Well, is, is, that, is that a fair exchange, to forsake the, your own children so that you can make a lot of money? I know sometimes God calls people that causes you know, their lives to, that, uh, uh, 
they may have to have an unusual lifestyle, but uh, that's not in the pursuit of, of wealth. Uh, but uh, they live not in the counsel of the ungodly, and they don't follow their advice, their plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. And then he says in verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. In his law. So your delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, do you delight in the word of God? A lot of people, I've heard people tell me, you know, it's too hard to read the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. You know, if you delighted in that, you would read it at all cost. Uh, and look, there, there are literally over a thousand translations of the English Bible. You can surely find one that would be readable for you. Amen? Uh, in fact, uh, I think one of Chris's favorite uh, uh, translations of the Bible is called the International Children's Version, right? <laughs> it's like, I love, it's like, what, what version is that? I love that version. It's the Children's Bible. Oh, yeah, that's right, you know. <laughs> why is that? Because she's a child of heart, that's why. Not because she's simple-minded. It's just she's a child of heart. Uh, and, and it's like, what is that? It's the children. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Uh, well, you know, if you have to read the, read the International ch- uh, Child's uh, Version, amen. Uh, they even got a, a Bible for the deaf, right? Uh, and uh, faith comes by hearing. Well, what if you're deaf? Read that one, right? And, and so, uh, but his delight. Do you delight? Uh, the word delight there means prize highly. We have, uh, you want to pull up the, yeah, there it is. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. What's the law of his Lord? Well, it says right there, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God. He habitually meditates. So I thought about it once. Well, that's not a habit, right? Habitually means you have a habit, something you do on a regular basis. Amen. Uh, He habitually meditates, ponders and studies by day and by night. You know, one of the great values, in fact, uh, when we were in Gatlinburg, Brother Randy was teaching a lot on this, uh, it, it's of great value for the Christians to meditate on the Word. Uh, and when you meditate, you know, there's a lot of people say, well, it means to mutter, right? Brother Hagen uh, spent a lot of time about muttering that. Uh, and sometimes, especially in the charismatic world, we don't like the thoughts of using your brain for any things, right? That's natural, that's the mind, so we only want the Spirit. But meditate has a, has a strong connotation of just thinking. Amen? Uh, and there's nothing wrong with muttering the Word of God, but uh, uh, but meditate, you know, for me personally, I love meditating on the Word. I get some of the greatest revelation from the Lord by just meditating on His Word. Just little things, just, you know, just, uh, well, just, just like um, uh, what we read uh, just today, give us our day, our daily bread. And just meditating on that's like, you know, that's uh, uh, give us this day. It means each and every day. And just like when we were read in uh, Ephesians uh, 3, 14 about uh, uh the whole family of God and how that word family is singular. Well, you know, I hadn't really, I mean, I've read that verse who knows how many times, never realized, never thought about it, meditated on that. It's singular and we're all in the same family. So it's not individual families, it's a single family of God. Well, you know, a lot of that revelation you don't get unless you think about that verse, meditate on that verse, uh, mold that verse over and over in your heart and your mind. And, and a lot of times, if it's something that's unusual, I'll ask the Lord, Lord, why did you say it this way? What does this verse really mean? What are you trying to get across? Well, you know, why did you use that particular word? Or why, why did you... And that's called meditating. You know, now, studying would, would, would require a little different effort where you're looking up the, the definitions of words or reading the words in multiple translations or reading some commentary about the background of that particular verse. You know, study is valuable. Uh, but he's telling us here that uh, in his law does he meditate day and night. Right. He delights or prizes highly 
in the law of the Lord. Uh, and, you know, around here we elevate the word, the value of the word of God. The word of God is, is valuable to your life. Amen. Uh, the, what the word says, how it says it, all, all the verses. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, some people only like certain types of uh, books of the Bible. I don't like the history books. I like the history. I like who the kings were and what they were doing. And that's great. But then you're not uh, meditating in his law, in his whole law. You're picking and choosing. Amen. And you should never be uh, picking, picky and choosy about the verses that you, that you meditate on. Usually what I do is I'll be reading a verse and that verse will become suddenly it's like the spirit of God just says, look at that verse. And a lot of times I just stop my reading right there and I'll just meditate on a verse. You know, that's just something, there's something there. And there's lots of times when I'll be reading a verse and just in my heart, uh, I'll know there's something there that I don't know. There's something more in that verse that, that needs to be found. And, and the way that I find it is I meditate on a verse. I'll stop reading. I won't read anything else for the rest of the day. Just, I'll just uh, stop, get stuck in that verse. And sometimes it may be several days. I'll just meditate on that one verse over and over again. Lord, it seems like there's more there in that verse. And it may be a verse that I've read a hundred times. Maybe a verse that, I, that uh, I've studied. And even, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've got notes on verses. And then I'll be studying on something on that same verse. And, and a, a whole, it's like a whole suite gets opened up all of a sudden. Like there, there's all kinds of extra rooms and all kinds of extra information in this verse. And that, that's obtained by just meditating on the word. Amen. Who created your brain? God. The Lord did. Who gave you the brain? The Lord did. Amen. There's nothing wrong with using your brain. Now, I understand you can get intellectual about these things, but your, your brain should be informed by the revelation that your spirit gives to you. That's how it's supposed to work. Amen. Uh, your brain is what processes that information. But the question is, where's the information coming from? Well, the best source of information is always the revelation of the spirit of God. Amen. I'm not opposed to reading commentaries and reading what, what other people say about the Word. In fact, I've got many commentaries that I read uh, and look up, see what other people's thoughts and ideas about a particular verse is. And, you know, they may have spent 100 hours studying that verse. Well, I can read the results of their 100 hours of studying in a, mat a matter of minutes. Uh, and so uh, oftentimes people think that the only way that you can obtain information is just only directly by the Spirit of God, which just seems really short-sighted to me, amen? If somebody has spent a uh, hundred hours studying a verse and they can uh, summarize it in a, in a couple paragraphs, well, that's a value to me. That's a hundred hours I don't have to spend on that. I could spend on something else. Uh, and, and, you know, and so that's an area of studying. Uh, and, and, you know, for me, I, I like computers. I use computers pretty much every time I study the Word of God. And some people, you know, they'll look down upon you. I had a minister say, you know, you, you shouldn't be using computers to study. You should look up every verse, you know, by hand. Well, I've got 267 translations I can read at any given time instantly. I can pull it up, read over 250 translations. You think I'm going to pull down 250 books and then hunt through the book to find that one verse and read that verse and then put the book away and get the next. You know how long that would take to do that? Uh, uh, now, look, you want to do it old school? I don't care. Get a scroll. You know, you use a, a hammer and chisel for all I care. You, none, nothing to me. And I'm not going to disparage how you study. You know, if you study, well, I only study the King James. Fine, you know, none of my business. But 
but don't disparage you know, how I study in these things. Amen. Uh, and so it's good to meditate on the Word of God. It's good to think over on these things because uh, when, I, when I'm studying the Word or even meditating on it, my expectation is, especially if I'm led to study or meditate on a verse, my expectation is the Spirit of God has got more information there that I need to know. And sometimes that, that information is found by looking up the definition of a word. Uh, just like, uh, just real quick, oh, turn over to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, and I like this particular thing here. Uh, in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, uh, we, know that we know these verses here. Uh, it says in verse 20, uh, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my saying, let them not depart from thine eye, keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they, the words, right, his words, are life unto those that find them. So if they're, if they're life unto those that find them, that means that somebody has to be looking for them. Amen? Who, who is supposed to be looking for what the Lord is saying? Well, we are, right? And health unto all their flesh. Uh, and that word uh, health there, if you look it up, one of the definitions of, of health is healing incurable. See, I think that's a great definition. Incurable health. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you had incurable disease, what does that mean? That means that no amount of, of medicine can fix that. Amen? So if it's incurable healing, then it means that no amount of sickness can cure that healing. Well, see, I think it's a great revelation. And that has been buried in, in this definition. I, I, don't, I didn't write down the source of that definition. It was uh, probably the uh, theological workbook of the Old Testament. It might be, um, um, might be some, other, some other book. I've got several uh, Bible uh, dictionaries. Uh, but that's, that's one of the definitions, healing incurable. Uh, and, I, 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 and I meditate on that, I, that a lot. Lord, I, I have an incurable health disease. That means no sickness can over, overcome it. No sickness can help it. Amen? A lot of times people have incurable other diseases, that no amount of medicine can fix, but I have an incurable health disease. No amount of sickness can overcome it. Amen? Uh, and, and you just have to meditate on that one a while, right? You've got to meditate on, Lord, I've got an incurable health disease. I've got, an in, I've got incurable health. That means that, that a cold can't overcome it. That means sniffles can't overcome it. That means arthritis can't overcome it. I, I am incurably healthy. That, that's what it says. Uh, and, but what's the source of that? What did he say? They... The words of God are life unto those that find Him, and health are incurably healthy to all of their flesh. How much of your flesh? All, all of your flesh. Does that include uh, joints and, and bones and, yes. and muscles and ears and eyes and, uh, and little toes and big toes and even, even you know, the middle toe? You know, it doesn't get much uh, credit, you know, the middle toe. Nobody ever talks about it. Uh, but... Uh, even the middle toe has an incurable health. Uh, amen. Uh, and, and so, uh, but on that particular verse, you just have to meditate on that one a while and, and get it over and over again so it's so big in you that, Lord, I'm incurably healthy. Uh, is that what it says? I didn't write it. That's what it says. Amen. Uh, and, and the source of that incurable health is what? The Word of God, the words that He speaks to us. Amen. And so He tells us, attend, incline, uh, let them not depart. Keep them. Those are all commandments to us. Amen. The things that we are required to do. Uh, and it's to our advantage because if we do those things, uh, if, if we attend and we incline and we not uh, let them depart and we keep them, 
then the result of that is we will have an incurable health uh, in our life. Uh, that's a pretty good deal, amen? But what if we don't attend? What if we don't incline? What if we do depart? What if we don't keep them? Then, then we may have an incurable other disease, amen? And of course, the Lord's not punishing you by not doing those things, but the devil will get into any, any area he can, amen? Uh, and one, one comment that she made in relation to this, she said, that it is not hard to do what you know by heart. Amen? So if you know the Word of God by heart, that doesn't mean you're gonna, you have to quote the entire New Testament, but if you know that I, I have an incurable health, uh, I, have an incurable, I, I have incurable health, then uh, uh, as a result of me attending and inclining and not departing and keeping them, I have incurable health. So uh, then if you know that by heart, well, then I, I'm required, Lord, to attend. Amen? To incline, then uh, it's not hard to do. I know I need to do that, so I'm going to do that. And other people say, there's no value in reading the Word of God. What's the point of it? Well, see, then, then for them, it is hard to do because they don't know it by heart. When I know it by the heart that, that I delight in the law of the Lord, and in His law do I meditate day and night, see, it's not hard for me to do because I know that by heart. I know that that's valuable to me. Amen? Do you know that it's valuable to you to do the Word of God? Uh, well, it should be, right? Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 8. So then she goes through Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 is just a great chapter because it uh, has a lot of stories all crammed into one verse, uh, into one chapter there that they're all uh, valuable for us to know. And so she starts here uh, in verse 1. And it says, uh, when he, talking about Jesus, came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Uh, and uh, we, we were with... Uh, uh, we were with uh, uh, Rick Renner down in Florida, and he was talking about this particular word about great, great multitudes, because it's kind of redundant, right? Multitudes is a lot of people, amen? So if it's a lot of people, but it's a great lot of people, it's not six people, amen? That's not a great multitude. It's not 600 people. It's probably thousands of people is what he's talking about here, amen? Because multitudes would have been dozens or hundreds. Great multitudes... Uh, uh, implies that it's, it's much greater than that, amen, uh, and probably in the thousands. And, of course, this is by Matthew chapter 8. And by this time, you know, his, his, uh, uh, his reputation had preceded him everywhere he went, and people would come running to him, amen. In fact, uh, we'll find out later on about uh, these people coming to him. But it, it's interesting, he says, uh, these great multitudes followed him, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. Now, Who's around this leper? Great multitudes, right? So this is not just Jesus by himself praying alone. This is this leper had to, uh, under great, uh, uh, under great uh, uh, fear of the multitudes that were there, because the old covenant tells the, the Jewish people that if you have leprosy, which is uh, a very contagious uh, disease, that you were supposed to stay away and, and uh, from a far distance, cry out, unclean, unclean. Uh, and that, that was the rule. That was the law. And, and if you didn't, you had, they, they had a right to stone you. Amen? Uh, and, you know, a lot, of those, a lot of those laws in the Old Covenant were there to minimize uh, these uh, transmittable diseases. Amen? Uh, and... Um, you know, the, uh, the Lord was social distancing long before COVID-19, amen? But see, this is transmitted by touch, so it makes sense to, to stay away, amen? Uh, when when uh, 
when you have something like COVID-19, which is airborne, and they put a little plexiglass shield between you and, and them, it's like, well, it, what about, they can't just go around this side over here? I mean, it's not like it, you know, how, does it know? Does it know it can't go that direction? I mean, at least when you learn in, in high school chemistry that these things will, will essentially expand in, into all the volume of air in your immediate vicinity, it doesn't care there's a tiny little plexiglass shield there, but it's all theater, right? Uh, well, the Lord wasn't in theater. It was valid and reasonable to say unclean and not to be near somebody because if you touched somebody that had leprosy, there was a good chance you would obtain leprosy and it was an incurable disease and debilitating, right? It, it, would, uh, it would eat your flesh and you end up losing all your fingers, all your toes and your nose and your ears and basically all the extremities of, of your body. Leprosy would attack that uh, and it's a, a disease of the flesh and, and uh, it was terrible. And it, ultimately it would kill you, but it would, you could live with it for, for decades sometimes. Uh, and so it, it was something, uh, it, it was something that, that they wanted to avoid, amen? And it was wise in the Old Covenant to make that, make that, uh, uh, to, to make that law. But even in the Old Covenant, and especially in uh, Leviticus 13 and 14, mostly in 14, it talks about, here's what happens if you get cleansed from leprosy. And so it was in a law that you could be cleansed, but literally nobody in the Old Covenant ever got cleansed from leprosy that was an Israelite, right? We had Naaman, the Syrian did. Uh, and Miriam did by, uh, she got leprosy because of her, her um, rebellion against the Lord. And she only recovered because of Moses, he interceded for her, right? Uh, and so, but it says, and behold, in the midst of the multitude, right? I'm adding that part, but that's because it's what verse one says. And behold, in the midst of the multitude came a leper and worshiped him. You know, that's always good uh, form to start out with worshiping the Lord. Amen? It's always a good way to start with the Lord of, of worshiping him. And then you can discuss what you need after that. Amen? Is he worthy to be worshiped? Then it's a good way to start. Amen? Because who are you focusing on when you come and worshiping the Lord? You're focusing on him. I know you've got problems, but he's more important than all of us put together. So it's valid and reasonable for us to go and, and initiate our our conversation with the Lord by first worshiping Him. Uh, and so, saying, Lord, if Thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. <clears throat> and of course, uh, what do we know about, about that particular verse? It's kind of a lame verse, right? If Thou wilt. So what's the, what's the problem with the leper? He doesn't know what the will of God is, right? If it's your will. I don't know if it's your will, but if it is your will, uh, then, then He said, if, if you will... He said, I know you can make me clean if you will. And, and where is the church today? Much of the church is in this exact same boat. They know God can. The leper knew Jesus could. You can make me clean. I just don't know if you will or not. I don't know if you want to or not. And, and you know, of course, a lot of times we leave it in, well, what's the will of God? And I prefer to, instead of using the word the will of God, because that, that sounds like it's something spooky and, you know, mysterious uh, I prefer to say, what's the desire of God? Because his will is, is his desire. What does he do? What does he want to do? So uh, if you could read it like that, and you're not really changing anything at all. If you desire to, you can make me clean. Amen? Uh, and so uh, what did Jesus do? Well, first of all, did he even respond to, to him in words first? What was his first action? His first action is this, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, 
saying. So he demonstrated first what his will was by touching the man, which is the most terrible thing that you could do against a Jewish law is to touch a leper. Because the whole point of them saying unclean is unclean is to make sure that you don't touch them so that you don't get, uh, you don't get the leprosy transmitted to your life. And so the, uh, Jesus, by demonstration first uh, of showing him, let me show you what my will is, and then I'll tell you what my will is. Uh, and so he first, he first of all, uh, by demonstration, touched him, saying, what, what, what did he say? What's the first two words there? I will. Amen. So uh, if we ask the question, uh, Lord, will you heal me? What, what is his response uh, going to be? I will. Amen. See, if, if, if you're dealing with any kind of sickness and you're saying, I don't know why the Lord's not healing me, then, then you're not even uh, to the level of a, leprosy, of a leper here. Amen. Uh, see, the, the leper didn't know the will of God. And when we say things like, I don't know why the Lord's not healing me. See, I, I would never say it that way because that's implying that there's something mysterious on his side that we don't know. Uh, you know, if anything, uh, I would say, and I don't even like to say it this way either, I don't know why I'm not getting healed. I mean, that, that's, that's not an unreasonable thing to say, but if you leave it there, then you're never going to find the answer. You know, if that's true, you should say by your faith, I don't know why I haven't received my healing yet, but I'm going to find out. See, that, there's something for faith to work on there. Amen. If you say, I don't know why I'm not receiving my healing, then there's nothing for faith to operate. There's nothing for faith to be applied to. You're just living in this mysterious cloud of unknown direction uh, in the will of God or in the, in the receiving of healing. And you're just waiting for something to happen, right? You're waiting for the stirring of the waters and maybe they'll stir Maybe they won't stir. You just don't know. Uh, and and that's, a, that's really a terrible place to be. Uh, I, would, I would get a lot more aggressive if it was me in that case. If I don't know uh, why uh, I'm not receiving healing, first of all, don't ever say, I don't know why God is not healing me because what does uh, 1 Peter 2.24 say? By his stripes you were what? You were, is that past or present tense? Past tense. So it's not even, uh, is God going to heal me? God has already healed you. For you to say that I don't know why uh, God is not healing me, then you're saying that his stripes weren't done, that he didn't do any stripes for you. And so you have to be careful in your words and how you say things. I, I, don't, like to, I don't like to talk like that because uh, if I say things like I don't know why God is healing me or I don't know why God has, has chosen not to heal me, then I'm kind of pushing on God's side that there's some mysterious reason that I don't know. And if it's dealing with your life in something like that, you should know. In fact, you have a right to know because he said he would lead us and guide us in all truth and show us things to come. If he said he would lead us into all truth, then wouldn't one of the most important truths be to you as to why are you not receiving your healing? Would that not be a truth that would be of value to you? Well, if he said he would lead us in all truth, then that's a pretty important truth that you should know. And look, uh, you don't have to assume that it's some deep, dark thing. You know, oftentimes people say, it must be some secret sin. You ever heard people say that excuse? It must be some secret sin. But who's it a secret from? Is it a secret from God? Uh, it's not a secret from Him. He knows all things, right? It's a secret for, if it's a secret for you, how would you not know that you're committing a sin uh, by accident? 
you know, there are, the Bible does talk about sins and trespasses, and oftentimes really trespasses are more in line with you're doing something wrong, but you don't really know it's wrong. You know, nobody's ever told you it's wrong, and, you know, maybe you haven't got that revelation yet. If you've been around for a while, you know, that, that should be unusual, but especially a baby Christian, they don't really know everything that's wrong. Amen? If they were cussing before they got saved, you know, they may cuss a little after they got saved. They, they just don't, haven't got the, their minds renewed yet that that may be something they shouldn't do. Uh, and so, uh, but, but he said, I will. So, so our responsibility is to know what the will of God is. Amen? If you can get to a point in your life where you are absolutely 100% completely convinced without exception that God desires to heal you every single time, then you will find the answer. But if you've got that one little percentage of doubt that maybe God doesn't want to heal me, you may never know because uh, that's disrespectful to the Lord. To, it's dishonorable to the Lord to imply, even by your omission of faith, that maybe God doesn't want to heal you. What was Jesus' response here? I will. That's the answer, amen? If you are on the leper's side, you are on the wrong side of the equation. You need to be on Jesus' side because uh, his response is the doctrine. His response is, I will. The, the leper's statement, it, now, did the leper say these things? He did, amen? There's a lot of things that were said in the word of God that are not something we should follow. Uh, if it's, uh, you have to look at the context, who's making the doctrine? If it's the Lord making the doctrine, we follow it every single time. There's never an exception, amen? Except for the things that now are expired under the old covenant and now been replaced by new covenant statements, that's fine. But if it's Jesus saying it, then we follow that. If it's somebody else saying it, then we got to go, okay, who is this guy? Is he, is he somebody that God is moving upon to establish doctrine like Paul? Then if it's Paul saying it, then we still follow it because what Paul said goes, amen? Uh, he was moved upon by the Spirit of God to instruct us as, as all the epistle writers were. Uh, and so we follow that. But, you know, you go back to Job and Job's got 42 chapters. How many chapters in Job are worthy for you to follow the doctrine? Very little, mostly about the last chapter, amen? Almost, almost exclusively the last chapter, amen? Now, the rest of it, it was written, and it's true that it was written. It was true that it was said. It's not, it's not a myth. It's, it actually happened, and it actually occurred. But very little bit, you know, uh, Job's, Job was the one who said, uh, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How many Christians quote that verse? We don't follow that verse, because the Lord doesn't give, and the Lord take away. If he gave and then take away, then he's not a man of his word. Here, here, have this. If he, if he said have it, then that's what he expects you to do is to receive it. If you've received it, now it's yours. It's no longer his. It's yours. And for him to take it would be a thief, right? If somebody comes to some, take something of yours that belongs to you without your permission or your desire, then you can have them arrested for stealing. Well, if the Lord gave you something and you received it, and now the ownership has been transferred to you, that would be odd that the Lord would take that away. He took away my health. Well, I thought he gave you health. Uh, and so, so much, of, much of Job, in fact, the vast majority of Job, uh, if you look at that, uh, Job, what Job said, Job accused the Lord of about 70 different wrong things in the whole uh, 42 chapters of Job. Many of the things that Job accused the Lord of, he didn't do. Uh, and now Job was ignorant. He wasn't, he wasn't aware of these things, and you've got to cut him some slack. But the Lord really works Job over towards the end of the book there. Now, are you like the Leviathan? Are you strong? Have you caused the, 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 the winds to blow and the, the mountains to be raised up? You know, some of that, I'm just, that's my, my, uh, my translation of it. 
But that's basically what Job is asking, the Lord's asking Job. Can you do these great and mighty things? And finally, Job says, I'm nobody. And the Lord said, you're finally where you're supposed to be. Once you realize that you're nobody, you're about, where you, you're about to where I can help you. And that's when he finally was able to help Job. Uh, and he said, now you go uh, and you make a sacrifice for your friends because if not, they're all going to be judged for their Ill, uh, evil things they said against me. And then after you do that, then you will recover everything. And he did. He recovered everything. Amen. And it says he repented to the Lord in sackcloth and ashes. Right? Job repented to the Lord and then everything was recovered. So if he repented and then everything was recovered, well, then who was at fault? Well, Job was at fault. If he received nothing of the Lord until after he repented, then he was the one at fault. So why would you listen to somebody who's at fault? Now, he wasn't like deep, dark sin. His sin was the fear. That which I feared the most has come upon me. Amen. So it wasn't like he was stealing from his grandmother or, you know, you know uh, stealing his kids' uh, education money or uh, gambling his, his weekly paycheck on, on, um, on uh, lottery tickets and, and poker. He just was, in, he was afraid that his kids would, be, would miss out on heaven because of their actions and, and, uh, or he would lose all of his great wealth and to become a pauper. And he said, that which I feared the most has come upon me. Well, what came upon him? He lost all of his kids. He lost all of his, he lost all of his, uh, uh, all of his finances, all of his cattle, all of his sheep. He didn't lose his wife, so he's never afraid of that, right? She ain't going nowhere, you know. And in fact, she said, you know, just curse God and die. <laughs> so we, you talk like a foolish woman. Uh, and so, uh, so whose doctrine do we follow? We follow the doctrine of, of who was inspired by God to say these words. Job was not inspired to say much of what he said until the, the end of the book. And so we can read it. We can learn from that. Don't be like Job. You know, and saying, I'm like Job. Oh, you're lying against the Lord all the time? Why are you lying against the Lord? You're in fear all the time? You don't believe God's going to take care of you? Why are you, why are you having a Job experience? Uh, then if you're, if you're having a Job experience, then the out's really easy. Well, then you need to go home and repent. If you go home and repent, Job got everything back as soon as he repented. So you know, let me know what you need to repent of. Uh, and yet, you know, people don't like that, right? Uh, well, how long have you been going through a Job experience? Like 20 years. But his was like nine months. And he was, pre- he was pretty bad off for nine months, right? It wasn't a simple uh, minor toe ache. He had major sickness and disease in his life and major economic problems in his life and, fi- and uh, fam- uh, family problems in his life. And he recovered all of it, amen? Uh, and so, so whose doctrine do we follow? We follow the doctrine of the Lord, amen? Be careful of following the doctrine of people in the Word of God who, whose stories are written for you to make sure you don't do that, amen? There's lots of stories in the Old Covenant of when, when the children of Israel made the golden calf. Well, it's in the Bible. I've got to make a golden calf. No, the, the, the intent is don't do that. Amen? Much of the story of Job is, is for us to read and go, yeah, don't do that. Amen? It's not to, well, if that's the way Job was. I guess that's the way I've got to be. He was a great man. He was a great man, but he was uninformed in his faith. Amen? Uh, we can be great and kind people, which he was. It sounds like he was a great person, actually. Uh, and yet he was uninformed in his faith. Uh, and so we, we don't follow the faith of Job. Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so if uh, Job wasn't following the plan of God, he was in fear. And so uh, he said, uh, Jesus touched him. So he demonstrated first uh, what his will was, and then he spoke what his will was. Uh, and, you know, I, I tell people all the time, uh, it's not that, I, it's not that I'm, I think bad about people, but a lot of people say things and 
uh, if I don't know them, now if I know them, it's one thing, right? If I know people to be a, a person of their word, if they say they'll do it, then they'll do it. And I know a lot of people like that, that if they said it, it's going to happen. But if I don't know you, uh, until, I see what you uh, see, until I see how you live, what you say is of, of very little importance to me because people say things all the time. You know, they promise God everything in the world. They promise you everything in the world. And they don't ever deliver. Uh, and you'd be way better off to, to, uh, to uh, under-promise under and over-deliver than the other way around. A lot of people over-promise and under-deliver. Yeah, I'll be there every single day. And you show up three weeks from now. And so Jesus demonstrated first uh, uh, by demonstration what his will was. And then he spoke what his will was. See, if he said, I will, and I'll get around to it eventually. He could have said that, right? See me in three weeks on next Tuesday, and if I have time, I'll help you out. Well, those, that's, that's great. Uh, will he do that? You know, I don't know. And so that's why I like what Jesus did here. He demonstrated first what his will was, and then he spoke what his will was. And he said, I will uh, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And he said, of course, see... Uh, See, thou tell no man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Uh, he was testifying to the priests of what God had done for him. Uh, and, and he said, don't tell anybody because, you know, if you look at the, the ministry of Jesus, sometimes uh, when, when people would go and tell everybody what's happening, you get all these uh, uh, looky-lookers, right, who just want to come and see, right? They're just curious. They just want to see a show. They're not there to worship the Lord or to do anything. They just want to show. And so they get in the way of everybody else. And there were some times when, when it says he could, there do, he could not minister at that city anymore because of the crowds. And so he had to leave. So all those people that, that could have been helped now can't be helped because all these uh, uh, observers who want to just observe the miracles. Uh, and and so, so anytime you see Jesus telling people, hey, don't tell everybody, what he's telling them is, I've got more work to do in this city, in this area, and I want to help the people that need to be helped. I don't need a bunch of uh, hanger honors here that's just getting in the way of other people needing help. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so it's, it is not radical. It is not extreme. It is not fanatical to say that God's will is to heal. Amen. And um, uh, oftentimes people will use that as a, as a mask, as a way to say, therefore, you shouldn't believe something so extreme. And so uh, they're excusing their own lack of faith. Uh, but it's not extreme. It's not, it's, not even, it's not even advanced faith to believe that God desires to heal you every single time. It's really, in fact, what, what uh, Brother Bosworth said. He said, faith begins where what? The will of God is known. So faith begins, right? So it's the beginning basic faith is what is God's will? Once you know that, see, then you can believe, well, that if God's will is for me to prosper, then, then I can start believing God for a, an increase in income. Well, if, but if you don't believe God's will is for you to prosper, then you may be suffering, amen? And so you, you'll never apply faith to your financial situation uh, if you don't believe it's God's will for you to prosper. But it is God's will. In fact, didn't he say, uh, well, it's in, in 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest uh, prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosper. So that's... That he, he explains right there what his will is. I, I wish above all things. In fact, he says that word wish there also has a connotation of pray. I pray my desire for you in prayer is that you, that you prosper financially 
and be in health physically, even as your soul and your soulless man prosper. Your spirit's already prospering because it's born again, amen? So it doesn't need any help to prosper any more than it is. It's already on its way to heaven. But your soul and your, your, your physical body in uh, your natural existence needs prosperity, amen? Both in physical health and in financial prosperity. Uh, and I have no problem. People get mad. You know, you're one of those, you know, one of those prosperity preachers. Uh, that, is that a negative? It sounds like a pros- uh, positive to me. Amen. You're one of those healing people. You believe in healing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I, would ne- I would never take that as a negative. I would always take that as a positive. Yeah, not only believe in healing, I believe in absolute healing. I believe every single time there's not an exception in the history of humanity where God the Father desired one person on the earth to remain sick. Uh, and that is an absolute statement. Uh, and I would bet uh, everything I own in the entire universe, I don't own the whole universe, but everything I've ever owned in my entire life, that that is an absolute true statement. Amen? And God has never desired anybody to remain uh, unwell. Uh, and so, because that's what Jesus said. Uh, I will. So that's the answer. Amen? If, what's the question? Well, does God want to heal me? What's the answer? I will. You've got to get to, that has to be the basis of your believing in faith uh, in the area of healing is I will. Not I might, not I'm thinking about it, not I don't know why. You've got to get it settled in your heart. He will. If you get that settled, then you can go on to find out if there's a reason. Amen. Sometimes there is a reason, but sometimes it just, you know, sometimes we, we get off into the weeds and we're way off into the weeds trying to find, you know, what, you know, does God want to be healed or not be healed? Does God want to be healed or not be healed? And we're off wandering around in that wilderness and if we just get out of the wilderness and get settled in our, uh, in, our, in, in our hearts, yes, God wants to heal me. Then we can pursue that. Amen. Uh, and so then if the Lord says, go to the doctor, well, then that's fine. If the Lord wants me to obtain healing that way, right? Did he ever tell people to go do something in the natural to obtain healing? Naaman, right? Uh, uh, Hezekiah, uh, even Timothy. We have lots of examples where the Lord said, go do this natural thing and, and you'll be healed. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, we're thankful for that. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so uh, what's the answer to will the Lord heal me? I will. The answer is I will. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that we can have the sure faith like Jesus had that when the question comes up in our hearts, uh, will God heal me? The answer unequivocally is I will. Uh, and, and Father, to, uh, for us to ask any other questions is uh, shadows of doubt and unbelief. Uh, Lord, why are you not healing me? That, that is uh, whispers of unbelief. Uh, there is no question on, on, from us to question your desire to heal. Your desire to heal is absolute, Father. You desire all of us to live in divine health all the days of our life. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that it, it is said, it's done. And Father, we choose to believe it as an act of our will. And we give you the, the honor and the praise for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, we can learn from this leper. Amen. Not mad at the leper. I'm glad that really the, the, the story is here because uh, how many people are just like the leper? Well, that's why the Lord wanted to include this because we can learn from him. Don't do that. Right. Now, did he receive healing? He did. Uh, but it was really an act of mercy because he didn't have the faith. He had partial faith in the sense that he knew God could, but he didn't have complete faith to know that God would. Uh, And so in that case, the Lord had mercy on him and sovereignly gave him uh, healing and cleansing from his leprosy. 
but that's not who we want to be, amen? They go to the next story about the, the, uh, uh, the Roman centurion, and we find out here that he's got great faith, and we'll find out what his great faith was, amen? And so let's get ready to receive that this afternoon's offering. And, um, you know, I, I still, uh, even after all these years, still enjoy teaching uh, healing school, amen, uh, because I think it's valuable to us, because really the, the faith, uh, come ahead, Mr. Jerry, receive the offering. The uh, faith is faith, you know, a lot, if you understand how faith works and operates, you know, when, once you learn faith in one area, you can uh, use that understanding in any area of life that you need help with, amen. And so getting it established that it's God's will every single time to heal us, then the same goes for everything. It's God's will every single time without exception is to prosper us. God's will every single time without exception is to deliver us. Amen. It's the same faith. Amen. Uh, and so uh, if you will broaden that faith and say, well, Lord, I, I know how to do this over here. Well, it's got to be the same thing over there. It's not different. Sometimes we think what's well, different, you know, finances are different than health or different than deliverance, different than other situations. It's not. God's absolute desire is to bless us. Amen. Uh, and so be good. Have a wonderful week in the Lord and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday.